warning. You are about to listen to the masters of the obvious. But to be honest, they are not masters of shit. It's just my daughter and the dumbest friend. But if you like interviews, nerd, like nerdy stuff and bad jokes, listen to this. Welcome to yet another episode of The Masters of the Obvious. I'm Kirsten Bozio. And I'm Cynthia Rose. On today's pod, we have an interview with filmmaker John Schnitzer. We talk about his documentary Haunters, The Art of the Scare, his work with Tim Burton, and his love of all things horror. And Kirsten and I discuss nerd news and new comic releases. But first, we'd like to remind you to go to mastersoftheobvious.com. We have a ton of merch for sale. And if you'd like to support this pod by taking advantage of free shipping in the U.S., well, we really appreciate you. And hey, kiss me if I'm wrong, but I think slut shaming is cool. And I'm so wrong. (laughs) And you can check out our shop and show your support at mastersoftheobvious.com. So hey, Kirsten, what have you been up to? So I sent you... A fun little video clip of an interview with Nikki Glazer on Conan O'Brien. You did. And mm-hmm. not her biggest fan, but a huge fan no. of this clip. Like, it was so spot on. It hurt my feelings. The basic gist of it is, uh, you know, Nikki has been looking for her counterpart. She's a you know straight woman trying to find a man and has discovered that men don't like funny women. But women like funny men. But I thought the way that Nikki talked about it, the way she framed it, you know, we we know we know we know that this happens. But the way she framed it right. made it make so much sense because she said yeah. that men and women say they look for the same thing. They say mm-hmm. they both want to find someone with a sense of humor. But it means very different things. But it means very different things. Women like it when men are funny. But men, when they say they like a woman with a sense of humor, they want a woman to laugh at their jokes. They don't want us to actually be funny. Well, and then a lot of times, too, when men are upset with women for not having a sense of humor, it's because they're making jokes at our expense or at other people's expense and punching down. And when they get called out for it, if you are a sharp witted or tongued lady and you meet them with the same amount of aggression. They don't like that. Yeah, you just don't get it. You don't get the joke. And okay, I won't make those jokes around you because you just don't get it. You you must not get the joke. Uh, you said pee-pee-poo-poo, women dum-dum. What's, what's there not to get? It just wasn't funny. Me funny, why no women like me? <laughs> yeah, uh, it just really blew my mind. Because yeah, I mean, you can say that you're looking for someone with a sense of humor, but what are you really saying? Exactly. Do you have anything else going on? Oh, man. You know, we've been trying to get out this book that my 
Elvis has written and illustrated by the amazing artist of our podcast logo, Lottie Guntink. We've been trying to get it out in the world, but we want to do some fundraising for it. So we're creating like a whole book campaign that'll be on Indiegogo because I found out that Kickstarter is very anti-union. So goodbye, Kickstarter. Hello, Indiegogo. What have you been up to? I'm going to vote tomorrow. Tomorrow's the first day of early voting in Hawaii. And I'm, I got my ballot in the mail and I looked at it and I was just like, you know what? I always sign my name funky. It never looks the same. I can't make it look the same. And I don't want them to throw it out. I just not going to chance it. Early voting starts here tomorrow. It's Hawaii. I don't really anticipate there being a long line. And even if there is, I'll wear my mask. I'll socially distance. I think it's worth it. It's a really weird time, too, with the fake ballot boxes as well. Yeah. And in California. uh, Yeah. Holy, holy shit. And that that wasn't deemed illegal. Anything else going on? Oh, we just got my eldest a a cell phone. Oh, God. I love this. I love that (laughs) Riot has graduated to being cell phone worthy. Like, And if you're... if you're not familiar with Riot, that's who was doing our intro for the first couple episodes. I mean, who really laid the groundwork and set the bar very high. Very, very high for such a short stature. <laughs> um, but yeah, there And then 11. we got my mom in there. Same height. Same height. <laughs> <laughs> that's the requirement for doing an intro. You've got to be just a solid... 411. 4'11". <laughs> Good to go. Yeah, so they're 11. They're in middle school. And... A lot of kids already had a phone by the time that they're their age, but I'm not that I'm like a really uptight parent, but I've been on the internet long enough to be afraid of it. So I was really holding off on it. But then, you know, the pandemic hit and they want to stay in contact with their friends and they can do, you know, video games and things like that, but it's just not the same. And I've really seen like a spring in their step ever since getting a phone and they text me sassy things. They've called me old already several times since getting a phone uh give riot my number so they can call me ancient i just really want i really want to be roasted by riot (laughs) if mom is old then cynthia is just dust (laughs) i don't know if there's anything else going on i think that's it oh i got a diva cup but i don't know if we want to talk about that oh my god let's talk about your diva cup well i didn't get a diva cup brand one but i did get a i guess what would be that menstrual cup i guess you just uh, used a bottle cap. <laughs> what I did is I went and I got some saran wrap. <laughs> but it is life changing. I'm doing better things for the environment. And it's You're single-handedly solving the global warming right I'm now. I'm single-handedly so proud of you. getting very familiar with myself. Th- those are a good time, but they always remind me of the time that someone asked Stephanie Meyer, the writer of Twilight, I'm getting the Twilight mileage in, bear with me, asked her if Edward ever drank Bella's menstrual blood. Oh, wow. And she responded with no, because it's basically dead blood. It's not really the same. But I will forever see Diva Cups as little vampire shots for Edward. Aww. Cute. And that's that's fun. I just want to say that I'm really glad I brought up my diva cup so we could talk about all that. That was fun. <clears throat> oh my god! Clear your fucking throat. We have so much goddamn news. So I don't know if you saw this, but AMC Theaters is offering private rentals for ninety nine dollars for groups up to twenty. Ninety nine doll hairs. 
99 doll hair starting at there's a lot of things tacked on obviously tax and then there's an increase to 349 depending on the movie ah you know i'm actually kind of excited about this i was considering it for a hot second and then i realized that maui has no amc theaters so oh yeah it also makes me uncomfy that groups of 20 people are getting together but yeah, not shocking at all that they're trying to recoup their losses. And I guess it could be worse. At least they're capping it off. But it still seems like it's a little dangerous of them. But again, as we've seen over and over again, it's more about the money than the people. Yeah, I mean, Hawaii just opened up. And within the first three days, there have been uh, obviously reported cases already of corona being brought to Hawaii. And it's, you know, capitalism over, you know, people's health. It's just it's just the way it is. I feel like never has it been more blatantly obvious that they don't care about people. <laughs> yeah. If they're going to open up tourism to Hawaii before they open up schools in Hawaii, we obviously understand where their mind's at. Exactly. So, yeah. AMC. Yeah. Even in Los Angeles, well, in the Pasadena School District, they're in talks of opening up at the beginning of the year, which I think is way early. What I want to know is what has changed? You know, like what mm-hmm. what changed from the moment that they closed it to the moment that they're talking about now opening it? If there's no change other than just time and people being sick of it, that's not a good enough reason. We've had our second highest peak in reported cases in Los Angeles just recently. Yeah. So <laughs> let's open up the schools. Together. Why not? <laughs> get it together. Uh-huh. Um, so you've heard about the war on Christmas. Yeah, I, I actively participate in it. Well, now we have the war of Chris's. Yeah. Top four Chris's. Chris Evans. Hemsworth. Chris Hemsworth. Pine. Chris Pine. And wah, wah, Chris Pratt. I mean, if we're talking about Chris's in comic book movies we couldn't include chris messina from harley quinn birds of prey oh which i feel like he even trumps pun intended chris pratt Ooh. <laughs> we were talking about this a lot and it felt really good to hear twitter say it as well it was almost unanimous yeah yeah yeah. no one likes that asshole i didn't realize that he wore a don't tread on me shirt recently <laughs> buddy it's funny because he, he he tries to keep it a secret, like, oh, I don't want to talk about my politics or, oh, I don't want to talk about this. But like things he lets leak out here and there, it makes it so fucking obvious that the reason he doesn't want to say anything is because he knows he's on the wrong fucking side of history. And he just well, doesn't want to admit it because he'll lose fans and possibly money. Well, like literally all of his park and rec- recreations cast have been really vocal about voting Democrat in the election. Fucking Leslie Nope was in love with Joe Biden. Right? <laughs> we all knew how she was voting. <laughs> I'm glad. I don't like to see people get canceled because I do enjoy him in things. Like I thought he obviously I love Andy Dwyer. And if you could only just stay Andy Dwyer, I would still like him. <laughs> right. And Star Lord, no matter how stupid he is, like he's entertaining entertaining so entertaining and he's delightful in interviews it's just like it shows you how insidious conservative people are because they really know how to i guess code switch in a way or like it's it's just never a good sign when they like oh i don't like to be political oh i get it you're conservative (laughs) just say you're conservative yeah nice nice don't tread on me shirt ass hat right 
Uh, I mean, you know, I'm really looking forward to him um, coming out in defense of J.K. Rowling. <laughs> it is coming. It's coming. Joe and Anthony Russo, the directors of Avengers Infinity War and Endgame, you know, total indie films, total flops. Yeah, really yeah, sad yeah. never made their money back. A bunch of nobodies. You're nobodies. Are assembling the Avengers one more time. Mm. And it's all the fundraise for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. It is a star-studded cast. Chris Pratt. Just kidding. The better Chris. Chris Evans. Scarlett Johansson, Mark Ruffalo, Don Cheadle, Paul Rudd, and Zoe Saldana are doing Biden's Virtual Voters Assemble event. And by the time you listen to this, it will have already happened. Happened yesterday, Tuesday, October 20th at 6.45 Eastern Time. And it'll have a trivia game, Q&A with the cast. Kamala will be dropping by to chat with the Avengers. I really love the way that Joe and Kamala's team have been, and Democrats at large, have been reaching out to voters, especially younger voters, because they do, uh, as far as I know, they do outnumber the boomers. So I love the way that they're reaching out. And it's been really, really mm-hmm. cool to see. Uh, and how fast they are. Like the fly merch that came oh. out after that debate. Oh, man. Took and two just, seconds. Just uh, the amount of shade. I, I can't. I love it. I'm personally, I'm a petty <laughs> bitch. But um, <laughs> even um, AOC taking a Twitter and talking about playing and streaming among us on Twitch with people to get them interested in voting. It's just, I, I love, I, I love to see it. And then the Animal Crossing, they had like a, a Joe Biden, Kamala Harris thing. I don't know. I don't know shit about Animal Crossing, but I watched a whole video on it and it was adorable as fuck. It all just reminds me of Hillary Clinton last time around going, and now we're going to Pokemon Go to the polls. <laughs> Was she trying to get 10-year-olds to uh, <laughs> she was strike? So no, hey, adults played that too. Don't don't get me started. So I didn't watch this yet, but you finished Marvel's Hellstrom. I didn't finish it. I'm on episode six. Episode six. What do you think about it? Because I'm hearing bad things. You know what? It's weird. I liked it enough to keep going, like one after the mm-hmm. other. Like I binged six episodes, and that isn't a lot for me. But on Hulu, it's a lot because I'm cheap. I have commercials. They're like a triathlon runner of binging shows. So it's not <laughs> nothing for me. It's not a lot. But when you add on the commercials, it adds up. Mm. Wait, it's on Hulu. Yeah. And you wait, you don't pay for commercial free Hulu? No. I have Hulu. Wow. I have Hulu with uh, Disney Plus. I don't think that you can have the commercial free and have it grouped with Disney gotcha. Plus. Gotcha. So I, I, I was going to say this is money saving tips with Cynthia. Just watch all the ads. <laughs> did you ever see um, Maniac? No, I did not see Maniac. There, there's a whole bit running bit in there where if you don't have money, you basically can get a person assigned to you that reads ads aloud, and just oh. follows you around and reads ads aloud to you, and you can earn money that way. <laughs> wow! Sign me up. Anyway, that's basically what I'm doing with Hulu. But uh, <laughs> I, so I liked it, but I recognize that it's not good. And I might like it just because I ain't got nothing else to watch right now. Aside from Lovecraft Country, which I'm just kind of holding off on because I want to watch it in one one go. I kind of want to just binge the hell out of it. 
I feel like you should dive into Doom Patrol then. It has Brendan Fraser in it as well. Brendan Fraser? Really? Brendan Fraser like plays Clint. Yeah. One of the original himbos. One of the original himbos. And what's funny is that you only see him in his normal form in flashbacks. Okay. Because he is like a he's like a robot. He's sort of similar to like Cyborg, only there's like pretty much no human. Mm. It's just his brain in a robotic body. Yeah, because that's only part of Brendan Fraser we want. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what Great we want. Great idea, the, DC. The himbo's brain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the most <laughs> the valuable most... part. Thanks. Uh, no, so you're really, it, you're turning me off from this show is what you're saying that no, it's really, really well thought out. It's so luscious and it actually does have Cyborg in it as well. Everyone's a goddamn robot. Watch it. <laughs> it's a show for robots. We've got a new Sailor Moon Eternals trailer. I made you watch it. You haven't really gotten too big into the fandom yet, right? I've watched my fair share of Sailor Moon. Old um, school Sailor Moon. Yeah. I have a lot of gay friends that made me watch it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's happening this again. Makes sense. <laughs> I am your gay friend. And I love Sailor Moon. I also am just completely un- unapologetic about like, give me all the Sailor Moon content. Similar to how you are about Star Wars. There's some purists who are like, oh, only the original trilogy. Every- everything else is garbage. Well, guess what? I love all iterations of Sailor Moon. Mm-hmm. I love Sailor Chibi Moon, which we're going to get. She's going to become a Sailor Scout and have her own team in it. And it follows the Dead Moon arc. It looks good. They had released other snippets from it in the beginning, and it looked nothing like what we got in the trailer. Did you at least enjoy the animation part of it? It's pretty. Sailor Moon's always pretty, but I just, I didn't dislike it. But it just, I was kind of confused if I even watched the right thing. I was like, that was it? What happened there? That was a trailer? What, what the fuck happened? The thing about the trailer and the things that we've gotten from this movie, which is like a two-part movie, haven't really been very thorough at all. Like, I feel like in a lot of American trailers, we basically get the entire movie. Okay, that's fair. Of course, recently we talked about how Tatiana Maslany was cast as She-Hulk. We were super excited about it, even if it wasn't Alison Brie. We were on board. But according to a recent interview, she said that it was not a real thing. And it was like a press release that had gotten out of hand. You know what it probably is more than anything is that she's probably still in negotiations. Exactly. That's that, that was what I was hoping at the very least. It seems like it's all but confirmed at this point. Yeah. And I think maybe by her talking about it, she might be either fucking herself out of money or uh, screwing it up somehow. So yeah, she probably has to keep quiet on it. Or just gets people more interested in what's going on. I just watched the trailer for Love and Monsters. Yeah. It stars um, Dylan O'Brien from Teen Wolf and Michael Rooker. Yes. Has very like Zombieland, Daybreaker, that really great Netflix series that I cannot stop talking about, even though it got canceled. Those kind of vibes. So it's not like a downer. Not every dystopian thing has to be sad and stressful. It could be fun. Yeah, it looked really cute. It looked cute. Like, I'm not like super excited about it. I got to say Michael Rooker made me a little more excited about it. But I first saw him, I was like, is that, is that Woody Harrelson? No, no. no. <laughs> the hair, right? It, <laughs> I was like, yeah, again? Def- Woody? Again? 
it definitely shares similarities to Zombieland. It's just one of those very tried and true tropes for a show. So it's mm-hmm. just, it's hard to break free of it. But the Love and Monsters trailer does look like it's fun and cute and kid-friendly, which I'm excited about. There's only so many things you can watch with your kids. Yeah. You got exciting news for me. I, I didn't know about. Yes. Okay. Everybody knows that I am such a dweeb for Kevin Smith. Love <laughs> Kevin Smith. Saw Mall Rats in the theater. What year was that? I don't know. 94? Uh, let me just, I'll look it up so you can. Oh, it's 25 years old. This is 25 years old this year. Oh, so 95. Yeah. So I was. It was like my senior year of high school. You were babysitting me. You took me to the theater. I was six years old. <laughs> anyway, I'm a dork for Kevin Smith. I'm an idiot for mall rats. I, I love it. It could, turns 25 years old this year. Wow. I don't, there's not very many movies that perfectly captures nerd boys like Kevin Smith movies. Ooh, he knows because he is. Because <laughs> he is. The whole scene with Jason Lee going off about um, who Superman could impregnate <laughs> is something that I've heard I don't know how many times. And I was like, you do the mall wrestling again. Stop doing the mall wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> so they are making a sequel. It's called Twilight of the Mall Rats. And Kevin Smith announced today that everyone is coming back for it. That's such a testament to what a lovely man he is that everyone would be on board and had a good experience and want to do that again. We're going to get Ben Affleck. <laughs> back of a Volkswagen, Ben Affleck. <laughs> Mall rats too. <laughs> I am so excited. Oh, God. Yes. Give me more of Ben in that. Please give me a sequel to Chasing Amy that's not problematic because I hate the fact that I like that movie. It's such a product of the times, too. I feel like that that movie came out around the same time that Weezer did Pink Triangle. <laughs> like, all the white men were realizing that there's gay women. God, I love that album so much. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're going to get canceled. We're I'm like, just we're cutting not, it out. I'm cutting it all we're out. Not, no, keep it all. We no. need to expose ourselves. We're no, not you're just exposing me. For social justice warriors. I'm the one bringing this stuff up, so clearly I was a fan, too. But I'm saying that we're not woke enough SJWs and won't be accepted by conservatives. So we're like in this weird purgatory of (laughs) just wrong opinions. (laughs) (laughs) I will not defend Weezer or Chasing Amy, but I will not give it up either. (laughs) (laughs) Don't take my trash from me. It's mine. I'm not giving it up, but I will not defend it. We also got a new Mandalorian trailer. We did. I'm not excited for the new season. I am excited for more Action Jackson. Give me more Action Jackson. How is it going to be good without Pedro? Oh. Is he not in this season? Did he not quit? quit, No. He quit during this? Before they started shooting? Oh, I thought he quit after this season. I heard Middle of? Oh, middle middle of, yeah. Wow. Okay, don't care. As long as Baby Yoda doesn't quit. It's Baby Yoda as the Mandalorian. <laughs> Couldn't care less. Put the helmet on the on the baby. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna take our cutest character and put him make him unrecognizable. Who wouldn't love it? I mean that I feel like that's very much how Disney executives work though. Yeah. They're like, oh, do you like this thing? Let's make it the worst version of it. 
So this is really huge news. And we knew it was coming because anytime there's an event in comic books, it's a big upheaval and the major lines are getting new characters and plots and all kinds of things. Well, currently it's the death metal events. And following that, we're going to get a new Wonder Woman who's a Brazilian named Yara Flor. I'm fucking stoked about that. And I like that it's not just some ambiguous ethnic person per se. I hate saying that, but like it's specific. She's Brazilian and that's amazing. I love it when they're specific about it. And it is it because Brazil has the Amazon jungle? Well, here's the deal. Jamie S. Rich says that we will discover that there are connections to other tribes of the Amazons that we have established. And of course, Yara has the same some connection to the Amazons and part of it will discover an origin that activates her position, which makes her the Wonder Woman of this time. Yeah, it's just so cool. I and to see it all unravel will be really interesting because we just connect Diana Prince so much to Wonder Woman and right. not really explored outside of that. And it's fucking time. It's fucking time to have more diversity and fresh stories. And I'm really stoked that we're having another big event and i hope that they execute it well and it's not jumbled and weird and confusing like most things are in comic books yeah but since we're already talking about comics we're going to give you what we find to be the most interesting of comic releases this wednesday catwoman number 26 batman white knight presents harley quinn number one spider woman number five one of my favorites, Rat Queens, number 22, and one of Cynthia's favorites, You Look Like Death, Tales from the Abel Academy, number two, Big Girls, number three. If you're not on this Big Girls wagon, you better catch the fuck up because that is good reading. Vengeance of Vampirella, number 11, Stranger Things Halloween special, something that Dark Horse is doing number one and holy shit we're getting king tank girl number one i just want to tell you i saw the cover art for it and i screamed and immediately <laughs> cried a little because i love tank girl so much masters of the obvious is brought to you by little shop of gore we found some really cute products on their site scrolling through didn't we cynthia yeah super fucking cute what were your favorites so I love the um, no feet keychain, which is like a little Beetlejuice keychain with the with the ghosts. It's so fucking cute. <laughs> they also have a uh, Twin Peaks Black Lodge net gator to keep you safe during COVID times. And they also have this really cute design. It's like a blockbuster video, but it's like it says make it a blockbuster fright instead <laughs> of make it a blockbuster night. So cute. They have t-shirts of that. They have a ringer. They have a mug. It's damn cute. I mean, they, they have a fully loaded store. I have a couple of their products i have the slime license plate frame currently they have a pumpkin guts version of it i have the pink one and i also have the mean ghouls ghouls enamel pen which is a like really if you're going to combine my two favorite things it's going to be mean girls and horror so you could find them on instagram at little shop of gore and little shop of gore dot you can use the code MOTO, M-O-T-O, at checkout for a spooky 13% off. We have a special spooky guest on the show, filmmaker, co-owner of The Brain Factory, and my friend, John's sister. Welcome to the podcast, John. Thank you for having me. 
Thank you for being here. So what have you been up to the last few months during all this craziness? That's such a good question because really I I was so like everybody else was busy being totally freaked out. Mm. And I was like, okay, you know what? This is going to go on for a while. I have no control over this. I have no control over what's going on in the world right now. I but I can control my fat ass, and I decided to put myself on a diet. I needed to be on a diet. Not everyone has to. I do, because I started the pandemic by throwing out my back by getting up off the couch. Okay, oh, so no. That's how out of shape I was. I got up off the couch and threw my back out. And I was like, what have I done? And then I like walked to the kitchen, and I hurt my knee because I was just walking. And I was like, okay. I've got to do something. It's time, so, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, and I'm ready for anything at this point. I'm like, you know what? I need to see, I, I need some positive feedback. So I need some like real results. So I became a vegan. Yeah. And watched my calories. And so far I've lost uh, 45 pounds. That's which is, insane. You know, so, but I, I've been working on projects at the same time. Just like, all right, let, let me see what I can do. That'll make me feel better like physically and mentally and you know the world's crazy so i want to try to be you know get the most positive mindset i can be in so i can enjoy all my horror films all the scary stuff (laughs) yeah i feel like everyone that's into halloween and horror everyone like that is doing very well during this pandemic because so all the nerds are just like wait is something happening outside (laughs) I'm well, fine. That. <laughs> you know, look, I'm definitely missing certain things. Like, right. I'm missing so many things. Like, Universal Studios Halloween Horror Nights, and exactly. there's so many great events I, that we miss out on. But we're so used to preparing for the worst-case scenario. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I never thought that during the apocalypse, I'd have, like, so many great movies and TV shows to watch. I didn't right. realize that I'd be streaming all these things off of, like, Netflix and Hulu. And, I mean... The, the stuff that's been coming out during the pandemic, like, have you seen Host on Shudder? I heard about it. It looks amazing. Oh, my God. You should do that to yourself. It scared how me did, so much. How did you like The Invisible Man? I loved it. I really liked The Invisible Man a lot. It was exactly. fun. I mean, Lee Whitnell is so, so much fun. He's always impressed me. I mean, the fact that he wrote Saw and he was in Saw and he was great in that movie. I, I love what he directs. I mean, I thought... Insidious Chapter 3, he did a wonderful job directing that. And Well, with The Invisible Man, I mean, it's a pretty low bar, too, from the last one that we saw. Yes and no. The bar is low, but at the same time, if it's no good, people are going to trash it immediately. It's like, you know, mm-hmm. people are so, you know, they're ridiculous. I don't know, Lee Winnell, what he did with Upgrade was incredible. Did you mm-hmm. see Upgrade? You, see... I'm, I'm a layman when it comes to horror. That's why you're on the show. <laughs> you, no, you don't have to like upgrade. So The Invisible Man is the third movie Lee Winnell's directed. Okay. But he's written so many. I mean, he wrote the Saw movies. He wrote the Insidious franchise. He wrote, I mean, just go down. He's written so many. Um, but his third movie he's written and directed. Upgrade is so much fun. Upgrade is like, um, right. you know the movie Her with yes. the Joaquin Phoenix? Okay, so it's like, her meets the Terminator. It's like, um, wow, it's, it's funny. <laughs> it's violent. It's disturbing. Like somebody unearthed a new old 
Verhoeven movie, you know, like RoboCop or something. Yeah. It, it had that level of intense violence and that level of intense comedy. And uh, it's my favorite that's fun movie. It. It's so much fun. And I mean, Lee Winnell can always find the most entertaining way to scare you and the most entertaining way to disturb you. Yeah. Well, speaking of movies, since we're already here on the topic, you're just, you're rattling down my list really fast. Um, <laughs> what are some, what are some of your favorite movies? I want your favorite campy horror movie. Cause that's also my favorite. Favorite campy horror movie. I mean, you go straight to the eighties. I don't know if I can, am I allowed to call this campy? Let me see. Like, <laughs> I think, I'll, like, okay. I'll get the hate mail, not you. Okay, I mean, look, uh, <laughs> someone's going to come after me. Okay, Dreamscape. I'm a huge okay. fan of Dreamscape. Did you ever see that? Yeah. So it's funny. It's like that Christopher Nolan movie, Inception. I'm watching Inception, and I was like, wow, this is like a, a big-budget version of Dreamscape yeah. Total Recall. <laughs> but, but make it funny, right? Yeah, I mean, Dreamscape's fun, and it's I've always, always wanted to do, like, have the ability to do a remake of Dreamscape because it's, as a kid, it was really scary to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, I know it's also really funny and really weird, but they did such a good job of capturing the weirdness of being in a dream. It's like, like you have on one end of the spectrum, you have Dreamscape. The other end of the spectrum, you have the cell. And the cell yeah. feels like kind of like the fancier version of Dreamscape. What I love about Dreamscape, though, is that they created this whole world in which there's a business where people are going into your nightmares to try to help you figure things out. And people are finding things out like about themselves and about their lives while going through this stuff. But the best was this little kid who's got the drawing of the snake man. Oh, and yeah. it's like that guy coming after him in the dreams as the snake man monster. Kid, was so scary. Terrifying. Oh, yeah. my God. And that came out, I think that came out the same year as Nightmare on Elm Street. Campy horror, I mean, there's just so much. It's such a huge... And, but I also think about the great horror comedies, like April Fool's Day, mm-hmm. and House, and House 2, the second story. And a comedy that's not even a horror film, but it totally introduced me to so many horror films. Yeah. The movie, um, you ever see Summer School? I haven't, no. Oh my God. So when I was a kid, that's how I heard about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre was when I watched this movie. Was there references to it? Oh yeah. They talk about it a lot. So it's basically, it's a really silly high school comedy. It's um, directed by Carl Reiner, who also did The Jerk, which mm-hmm. I love so much. My favorite. One of my favorites. There, there's two students in the movie, Chainsaw and Dave, and they're obsessed with horror films. And they keep talking about Tom Savini. They have liquid latex and blood and gore. And they, there's a part where they go to um, Knott's Berry Farm. They're at the petting zoo when they had a petting zoo. And they come running out with bunnies attached to their faces. And they're screaming and they're pulling the bunnies off their face. And the, it's ripping flesh off their face. Blood's oh, pouring man. everywhere. <laughs> and then they explain what it was. They're showing it's liquid latex. Okay, their favorite movie is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. They watched that movie in this movie. So well, when I'm a kid, chainsaw. That's right. Yeah. Chainsaw. And so I was like, oh, my God, I need to know everything about this. I watched Texas Chainsaw Massacre um, when this movie came out. I got liquid latex. I made I faked my own death like three or four times. And every time I, my parents got 
so concerned. They're like, you're just having fun, right? This isn't like something you want to do. I'm like, well, I need to take you to therapy, right? They were so nervous. Yeah, they were really nervous that this was going to cost them a lot of money. But uh, it just (laughs) costed money in liquid latex. And I loved it. It really was like, it's funny sometimes what's your kind of the intro. The intro to horror, like summer school really got me into horror by like having an appreciation for who did the makeup effects to yeah. the idea of what Texas Chainsaw Massacre was. I was, how old was that? I, I was like, it was the, I was in the elementary school. I was a little kid and I just became obsessed. After that, I got a subscription of Fangoria. I Ooh, yeah. was completely obsessed after that. I wanted to be Chainsaw and Dave. I kind of became Chainsaw and Dave after I saw that movie. <laughs> It's just so Ooh, much really be, though. Yeah, it's one of those movies that just those gateway into horror movies that really yeah. um, opened me up to everything. Like after I saw that in Texas, and I really got into Nightmare on Elm Street. There's got to be PSAs like they have about drugs. Like, is your kid into horror? Have you yeah. maybe searched their room for liquid latex? Have they been faking oh, well, their own death? <laughs> Look at the '80s. That was like the big thing. Don't let your kids see these movies. If they see oh, these scary yeah. movies, all these terrible things gonna happen. And it's like not really. They just made me feel like a super indoor kid that wanted to keep watching movies and reading about them and making. If them. anything, you're safer because you're inside. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. No, I remember the outrage about um, Tim Burton's Batman, the the Catwoman one. I guess it was targeted towards children. It was. It was pretty scary. But I remember all the talk shows and all like all the guests that would come on. It was so hilarious, just the outcry of it. And it's nothing compared to what we see nowadays. I love that movie because it's the um, they went to uh, Daniel Waters. Tim Burton reached out to Daniel Waters, who wrote Heather's, yes. to write the jokes in Batman Part Two. So all the I jokes didn't know the that. says yes. So all the jokes the Penguin says comes from the guy that wrote Heather's. That makes all and the sense. <laughs> And they're like, it could be worse. You know, blood could be gushing out of my nose. And they, they all start laughing, and he bites the guy's nose, and blood starts gushing out. It's like, oh, there you go. It's totally the guy that wrote Heathers. I love Heathers. It's well, I favorite. guess since we're talking about Tim Burton, you also do VR and immersive experiences, and that's what yep. the Brain Factory is. Yes. And you, Tim Burton actually reached out to you to do Obama's first Halloween party at the White House. How did that come about? It was so crazy. I mean, when I was in film school, I sent, I did an intro to TV project mm-hmm. and it, I, it was completely ridiculous. Everything I did in film school is completely ridiculous. And I hope every copy of anything I ever did in film school is, is, is burned. But I, <laughs> I, I, cause I was out of my mind. I was out of my mind. And <laughs> I mean, I was like, I compare myself when I was younger to basically like a baby snake. I had no idea how much venom to release in a bite. I would just like make something that was so insane. Your face would melt off. And if I were to watch (laughs) it now, I'm sure my face would melt off in horror. Like, why is this happening? My intro to TV project was so crazy. And there was a part of it where it was like, and now put on your 3d glasses and you put on 3d glasses and it was in 3d. I went, get out. No, it's completely crazy. And I, I had a cartoon in there, there called Rabbi Shlomo, the Jewish Adventure. His sideburns were switchblades. <laughs> he had exploding yarmulkes. I, uh. Uh, I got onto the set of uh, Citizen Toxie with the Troma, the Troma guys. Troma, yeah. And I hung out on the set of, of Toxic Avenger. And I, were you running in the same crowd as James Gunn? You probably have some mutuals in that. 
because I was at that Citizen Toxie set, I ran into like a lot of people, like um, Eli Roth. I met him during that time because we were just there the same day. But it was I didn't really know him. I was just like so impressed because I grew up being very impressed by trauma, like the yeah. class the Newcomb High and Surf Nazis. It's a very guy. special person that loves trauma. You know, a lot of kids were not allowed to sleep over my house because of Troma and John Waters. I would show them, uh, you know, hey, want to see polyester? Or You know, they're kind of cut from the same cloth when you think about it. Yeah. To- yes. Yeah, yeah. Very much so. <laughs> you know, I mean, those are the craziest movies. And I was very influenced by, by these people. And so I made my intro to TV project was very influenced by it. And so I my teachers were basically letting me know, like, we're probably going to have to fail you because this is just too what? insane. I sent that, that intro to TV project to a couple of different people because I was like, this, they're going to, they're threatening to fail me. I'm going to send this to people who are going to appreciate it. So I sent one copy to Tim Burton and one copy to Mark Summers, the host of Double Dare. And okay. my feeling was nobody's sending Mark Summers anything. <laughs> that was my feeling. I thought no one's going to send Mark. No, he, he was on the Food Network at the time. So I'm like, I'm sure he gets like a lot of like, look at my geech. Hey, Mark Summers, look at my spaghetti. <laughs> like, 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 leave me alone. But no one goes like, hey, Mark, take the physical challenge. Check out my intro to TV project. I was right. He watched it. And two days later, he Mark Summers called me. and was like, wow, why would you send this to me? <laughs> and I was like, well, I thought maybe you know somebody that's in uh, Hollywood that would be entertained by it. I don't know. And he did. He actually introduced me to Tom Green because of it. And Whoa. It, it was like a really good fit. I actually got to meet Tom Green, hang out with him. We It was really fun. I, that, we, we talked for about a year about projects and stuff. But I also heard back from um, Tim Burton's people. And Tim Burton's assistant wow. was like, wow, we really love this. The 3D was so great. You did a really good job. I was like, oh, well, tell it to my teacher. They want to fail me. Like, who would want to fail you for this? If you're ever in London, you should look us up. And I was like, I'm never going to be in London. I live at home with my parents. I'm broke. Anyone else would have sold a bunch of stuff and went to London to go meet Tim Burton. I did not do that. I <laughs> did, did not even think that way. It wasn't until years and years and years, so many years later, fast forward, I then, like 2008, and I'm like, whoa. I want to go to London. Oh my God, I should totally email Tim Burton's people and let them know I'm going to be there just in case he remembers me from years ago. Yes, totally remembers me. His assistant became his associate producer and was like, oh, you should, this is where we are. You should come to this, this place. I go and it was like, it was like a Tim Burton movie. Like just going to this house was Lewis Carroll's old house. Um, that is Tim Burton's office. And of course it is. <laughs> oh my God. And this big giant British guy opens the door with a huge beard, really big guy going, hello. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> I'm here to see Tim Burton. Oh, you must be John Schnitzer. Come right this way. I'm like, oh my God, all of this is just way too funny. I walk in there. I'm like, whoa, this is so weird. And then Tim Burton walks in the room. And I'm like, hey, how you doing? It's like, I want to show you something takes me into a room where he's got a VCR and a TV and about like 10 VHS tapes. And one of them was my intro to TV project with the 3D glasses. Get out. How long like, ago was it? Between That was years. Oh, my God. That was like seven years or seven or eight years before that. And so wow. I was like, the fact that he still had it and I couldn't believe he had it. And he said, 
how did you shoot the 3D part? And I was like, I can't believe you're asking me that. And then, as we're talking, I had a 3D camera with me, and I was going around London taking 3D pictures. And he's like, is that a 3D camera? I'm like, yeah. He's like, you want to take some pictures of 3D stuff? Like, uh, 3D pictures of, like, um, props from Edward Scissorhands? I was like, yeah. And he starts taking out props <laughs> from Edward Scissorhands. I'm having so How much How is that fun. even a question? Of course I do. <laughs> I know. Like, I'm sure in his world, it's just kind of like, he's not going to bring that up to people, but it's like, oh, a 3D yeah. camera. I want to take some cool pictures. And then when he would come to L.A., they would call and be like, hey, Tim's having a guest together. You should come over. I'm like, whoa, that's amazing. I mean, I'm doing everything I can not to tell him what a crazy fan I am. <laughs> I mean, I saw Pee-wee's Big Adventure in the theater when I was a kid, like three days in a row. I still have a, I have a talking Pee-wee Herman doll with a voice chip of Freddy Krueger. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really awesome. And, you know, Beetlejuice, the record, the soundtrack to Beetlejuice was the first album I ever bought. You know, my, I just grew up on Tim Burton stuff, and Ed Wood's one of my favorite movies of all time. So I just kind of like kept that to myself to not weird him out. And, you know, I, at one point, finally pitched him on, maybe we can do something in 3D together. And then we did a test run where I uh, produced a, um, a 3D invite to his MoMA art show and took one of his paintings and teamed up with some of my favorite 3D artists to put together this beautiful lenticular. It's 3D without glasses, like plastic and 3D, and it kind of floats out at you. And it, that worked out great. And then he's like, I'm going to call you two weeks from now at like 10 in the morning. And I was like, okay. And two weeks later at 10 in the morning, phone rings. It's Tim Burton and Colleen Atwood. Colleen Atwood, she does like the costumes and set design for all the Tim Burton movies, all the so many. She's won like seven Oscars. Oh, yeah. Uh, she's worked on so many films. I'm on the phone with both of them. So I'm already kind of like, whoa, this is crazy. That's a lot to take in. <laughs> I was already kind of like, I don't know what this is about, but I'm already just like uh, really freaked out that, that they're calling me. <laughs> like, yeah. This is so exciting. And then he said, you know, Obama's daughters are really big fans of my movies. And so Obama reached out about having me do the White House Halloween party. And so I'm putting together, like, you know, all kinds of great artists and, and people who could make really cool stuff. And I thought it'd be really great to involve you and, and your team. And I was like, what is going on? And he told me some of what he wanted. And so the idea was we're going to do kind of like 3D ghost illusions of the presidents. Like the president would be in 3D. And as you would walk by it, it would like turn into a, mon a monster or a ghost or a zombie or something like that. Wow. And so he teamed me up with one of his artists from Alice in Wonderland, who's an amazing artist. And we're discussing ideas, and then he would come up with something great. And it was put a whole team to cre create the physical frames and the 3D. Anyways, it was an insane honor. I mean, like, we were there with, like, Imagineers. We were there with the people who do all of the physical effects for not just Tim Burton movies, but all the James Cameron movies. They were there also. And so just like, it was nuts. It was one of those like special projects where you're like, wow, I'm at the White House while Obama's president. And it's a special event for mostly for the kids of uh, active duty vets. They allowed me to go around the White House taking pictures. I have so many pictures. So with the Brain Factory, we've done a bunch of really fun projects. So many of them really blow my mind that they even happen. Like that one, we did Haunted House for YouTube Studios. 
Oh, so, wow. like, we did two haunted houses for them, which was a lot of fun. And was it actually, like, an, an event? Yeah, they, they put a lot into their events. It's pretty impressive. It's really a lot. I mean, for the first time they brought me on, they said, okay, we have this sidewalk. It's 144 feet. Can you make it scary? I was like, yes. Yes, I can. When do you need this by? And they go, like, four days. I'm like, yes. Boy, I can do that. And immediately I started making phone calls, and I came up with, like, a fun, like, I was like, what if we do bring in a bunch of fencing and then create this whole tunnel? And then we start off really, it would be terrifying if we did it now. But at the time, what we did was we had people check in with a doctor in a lab coat and he was taking your temperature, and then he, one oh. of you'd be fine, and one of you, he's like, okay, you shouldn't be even touching his hand. We're going to have you separate and go through right over here, and as you're walking through to get checked out by another doctor, this other patient bites their doctor, that doctor's spitting up blood everywhere, on the, and then you go into the next phase, and it just keeps going, it gets crazier and crazier and more demented <laughs> until at the end, one of you gets infected, and one of you doesn't. And the one of you that's infected has to go down oh, to the right side. like Because you get marked if, if a zombie touches you. That's how we know you got infected. And the one that got away, you're going down like a red carpet. And like the red carpet, they take pictures of you and there's zombies that scare you. So <laughs> if you got infected, you go down the, this other way where you, <laughs> the military is there to kill you. <laughs> like there's gunfire going off everywhere. And they're like, wow. <laughs> it was so insane. It was so much fun. And... When YouTube had me come back for more of an elaborate haunt, and the idea was to do a 3D clown maze, 3D blacklight clown maze. So I brought in all my favorite artists, uh, and you put on these chroma depth uh, 3D glasses. But then we did like weird, I brought in like um, uh, this amazing contortionist. And so she's this contortionist clown on the ground. And there's a clown with a balloon animal, and as they twist the balloon animal, the way they twist the balloon animal, the contortionist in front of you is twisting. Oh, like and a her voodoo. Bones, yes, like voodoo, like balloon voodoo. And as they're twisting their body, the the bones are crackling. I mean, it was That's I, I, <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. I I hired um Char Mayer, my favorite monster. I had her come on and be a monster and. I also brought on Donald Juleson, who does the Nightmare on Loganberry, one of my favorite home haunts. So he came on and brought his whole family to, to work on it also. Like basically use paying gigs like that as an excuse to like bring on like some of my most talented friends and spend yeah. time with them. And I actually filmed what went on at that one because Char, she's been in a scare actor for since the 70s. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the things that she's worked at, there's either no video of, or it's like so old and it's all staticky. There's only mm-hmm. photographs of it. Because I made the movie um, Haunters, The Art of the Scare. So that stuff is in Haunters because I was like, YouTube ah. hired me at the same time where I was complaining that there's no footage of Char being a, a monster in a haunt. And YouTube goes, can we hire you to do this maze? I'm like, can I use it in my movie? And they said, sure. I'm like, perfect. This is great. And then I was like, Char, you're going to be in this. And when you see her with a black light makeup glowing in the clown maze, that's in that maze. So I got to film it, use it for my movie. And it was, yeah. a, it was a great job for everybody. We had a lot of fun. 
you're making my job so easy because that's <laughs> on my list. I want to talk about the honestly kind of disturbing but really interesting documentary uh, Haunters Art of the Scare. I can imagine how disturbing it is for someone just watching it, but like you're watching it and you don't have to smell what it smelled like. I mean, like I'm Ugh. watching it. I, I can't look at it without remembering exactly how messed up it was and how what it smelled like, what it felt like. I had nightmares for months after I had filmed this documentary. And it wasn't like a made-up nightmare of, like, what could have happened. It was, like, remembering the things that happened gave me nightmares. And for anyone who's listening who hasn't seen the documentary, you can watch it on Amazon Prime. You can watch it on Amazon Prime, Tubi, Shudder. And if you buy it, on iTunes Extras or the DVD or Blu-ray on Amazon, it comes with 30 minutes of bonus features. Oh. And the bonus features are all, like, nothing traumatic, nothing disturbing. Okay. Bonus features, <laughs> I actually put on the bonus features a lot, I, especially during September and October, because it's, like, the real magical side of Halloween. Like, it's um, L.A. Haunted Hayride. It's Haunted Overload. That's the part of the movie where there's, like, a four-story tall skull being built in time-lapse. You get into their story and the bonus features. Delusion, the interactive Haunted House play. That looks really Bonus cool. features. All the celebrities are in the bonus features. John Landis, Slash. <laughs> There's is way it, more of Universal Studios in the bonus features. Is the interactive um, play sort of similar? Oh, I don't even know if it's around anymore. Uh, Zombie Joes. Do you remember that? They're totally different. So totally Zombie different. Joes, which I love so much. Zombie Joes, you know, it's, it, it's such a great make your own fun kind of theater mm-hmm. where they like go buy a bunch of stuff in the 99 cent store and make it scary and fucked up. Yeah. Whereas delusion is like the kind of Spielberg version where it's like, okay, we're going to like John Braver, who is a stunt man in a ton of movies. So he's telling a story that's kind of like a choose your own adventure style story where you're inside of an actual mansion and you're a character in a story and at times you're separate from the group that you're in. Sometimes you're by yourself. And depending on what's going on in that part of the story, there's incredible special effects and stunts. And sometimes the biggest stunt of the show happens and only one person sees it. And when the whole thing's over, wow. you, you talk with your friends about what happened to you. And that's when it becomes scary because it's like you start getting chills thinking about the, all the little side quests and adventures you just went on. Totally it's so much experiences. fun. Yeah. Magical. So Haunters, The Art of the Scare, I initially set out to do a documentary about all the fun haunted houses for Halloween. Mm-hmm. And as I was doing that, I stumbled onto McKinney Manor, which, yeah. <laughs> which is, I thought, look, when I saw their videos, I thought this isn't real. You know, they're making it up. I mean, they, they tell you things like, you know, it's going to mess you up for life and you don't want to come here and it's too disturbing. People are screaming, I want to go home. And I thought, okay, well, I'm used to seeing like almost every horror film ever mm-hmm. advertise this way. Or even not Scary Farm, like your nightmares become reality. Not really. It's just fun. But that's how we're used to it. Okay. Well, everything they said was true. It was too much. They went too far. They crossed a line. I couldn't believe what was happening. And mm-hmm. it's kind of fascinating. I went down this rabbit hole into the most disturbing, shocking horror 
experience I could have ever imagined. Something I would never do in a million years. I would never go there. I would never what, do this. What blows my mind about that, I guess you could call it a haunt, <laughs> is that it's free. You just bring dog food to it for the admission. Or how does that work? How did, I don't even understand how I can run it. Dude, he spent $500,000 building this thing. Now, I'm sure there's some exaggeration. However, I did notice a lot of animatronics that cost ten dollars to $20,000 each. And there were a lot of them. Wow. And it's not just that. The amount of stuff that, that went into like it. It's hard to describe because like, if there's no nothing going on, if you're just walking through what he built... Mm-hmm. it's unbelievable. Like he had a morgue room and everything in the morgue room was real. It's all real steel from the floor to the ceiling, to the walls, all real steel. They had actual slabs that you could pull out and walls of it. They had other rooms that were just, okay, think about this, like Rob Zombie's house of a thousand corpses. Okay. This is like the real life Rob Zombie's House of a Thousand Corpses. Mm-hmm. Even to the point where, like, to go, you have to wear a onesie. Remember in House of a Thousand Corpses yes. where you're wearing a onesie? It's, <laughs> oh my God. I, I just kept thinking. I didn't, even so connect, I didn't even connect that when I was watching it. He, Nobody he is did. a character. Or, I mean, there's part of me that obviously is very impressed by what he does, and he, and he seems to be very involved in the building and everything as well. And that's all very impressive and his passion for it. But then it's hard not to be disgusted, too. Like It's easy to be disgusted. It's simple yeah. to be disgusted. It's disgusting. Because the thing is, I wouldn't have a problem with it except for one thing. And it's the one thing we mentioned a million times in the movie. He doesn't have a safe word. There's no yeah. way out. Okay, so when I first heard about Blackout, and it's like this psychosexual horror experience where naked people are chasing after you and grabbing you and doing terrible things to you. Mm-hmm. But if you use the safe word, you can get out. Just right. get the safe word and it's finished. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I'm still not going to go do blackout because I don't want to be screamed at by naked people is the reason I didn't join in a fraternity. I don't <laughs> miss- <laughs> I get I get enough of that for my kids, yeah. I don't need it. I don't need it for your kids. It's hilarious. <laughs> that doesn't appeal to me. I like that it exists. I like that it's out there, that people can go do that. But McKinney Manor, the fact that there's no safe word, there's no way for it to stop. You know, for years I would see people comparing Blackout and McKinney Manor as if they were like the same thing. Right. So there's a part of my movie where we actually do compare them to show you that they're totally different. And also to show you that the guy, the people who run Blackout as dangerous as it feels, safety is very important to them. There's mm-hmm. a reason why there's a safe word. I asked them, in, you know, how do you choose your the actors who work at Blackout? And I was really surprised with Josh Randall's response. And he said, we look for people who have empathy and compassion. And at first I was like, oh, come on. The more I thought about it, I was like, of course. They want to make sure that they're scaring somebody but not hurting them. They want to push people to the edge, but not over it. And then when I'm filming Russ's auditions for McKamey Manor, he's just checking to see, are you willing to pick up someone's vomit and shove it back in their face? And if you are, then this is the right fit for you. And I'm like, well, hold on a second. So much good That's his on. criteria. 
that was the criteria. I'm really proud of what we showed off in the movie. I mean, I'm really proud that you got to go behind the scenes of the most controversial horror experience of all time without ever having to go through it yourself. Yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> there you go. To see what goes into it, what they're doing, who the people are that have created it, and who the people are that are working there, and what it does to someone that goes through it. And then comparing that to someone like Blackout, and then comparing these extreme haunts to traditional haunted houses for Halloween, home haunts, and scare actors who really care about the connection between the monster and the human. And by doing that, people who have never had an intention of going to a haunted house before fell in love with haunted houses and with Char and with Donald and were like, wow. Char is lovely. She's, you just look, anyone who loves haunts, anyone who like really gets horror as a fan will fall in love with Char because she's been a, a scare actor since the 70s. Mm-hmm. She cares so much. And she's the one who says about the connection between the monster and the human. Mm-hmm. And it's, even by describing it like that, it's like, oh my God, we've all hid behind the corner waiting to scare a friend right. and felt that feeling. And she's describing that feeling, but not knowing who that person is or what they might do to you. And that, that was the most, that was another intense part about it. Obviously the things about McKamey Manor were disturbing, but not as much disturbing, but just kind of sad to me. I don't really think about it, is what Char went through as a scare actor physically and how the whole fight or flight response and how she's been knocked down and injured. And it was a lot. It was never, a lot to watch. You never really think about that. You never really think about the person who is the monster scaring you. Yeah. Because you, we all see the fight or flight reactions on YouTube where someone gets scared and then you punch a monster in the face and everyone laughs and it's real funny except there's a real person behind the mask who's actually getting injured and when Char, I thought I was just going to do one interview with her. She's been a scare actor for so long, it's great to have her tell some highlights of her stories. But then I just kept interviewing her and then we really became very close friends because I fell in love with her. I fell in How love with her. this not? Yeah. What an amazing person. She cares so much about scaring people. And then to hear the stories about when people crossed a line and not just a fight or flight reaction where someone punches her because they're scared, but people who actually attacked her and all the physical pain that she's in and that she keeps doing it. And people sometimes ask, like, why, if she got so injured, would she continue doing this? And I, The best example I can think of is it's like a professional athlete, like a boxer. Mm -hmm. She is like the Muhammad Ali of scaring people. She really is. First time I met her, she was in a show called Play Dead, and she scared the hell out of me. I jumped out (laughs) of my seat. She scared me so bad. That is how I met her. She scared the hell out of me. No, I didn't expect my movie to go to be as emotional as it is, Mm -hmm. to be as shocking and disturbing as it is. And to also be as hilarious as it is, because there's parts that, like, you laugh out loud. (laughs) Yeah. Did maybe this movie change your ideas about haunted houses? I love haunted houses. I love horror attractions. I love immersive theater. It made me love them even more, because I gained even more appreciation for all the work that people do to put them on. It gave me so much more respect for the illusion of danger. Because if you could create the illusion of danger without 
any actual danger. <laughs> That's where it becomes magical. Plus, yeah. like I, I filmed a scare study. It's not in the movie because I didn't get to the conclusion of the scare study while I was filming. And I, I had it in a rough cut and people were like, well, how's the study end? I'm like, oh, well, I don't know. Well, we've reached the end now. Now we know how the study ends. So Dr. Margie Kerr is in the documentary and you see her at her haunt that she uh, was working at at the time where they were doing the study. And what we found out was if a haunt has a safe word and people use it, they get a huge rush and they're very empowered because they they were scared and they were able to stop it. And it's not like they people don't feel bad for using the safe word. They feel really good about it. And then a lot of people ended up going back that used the safe word to, to see if they could make it further. Interesting. Another thing we learned is that if you are genuinely afraid and you know there's no way to get out of something, if you enter kind of with your hands clenched and uptight, and then not only is it harder for you to get scared, it's harder for you to, re- to have any other reaction other than panic. Which is when you're watching the McKinney Manor footage, you're not seeing a lot of screaming. You're seeing a lot of shocked faces. You're seeing their, their eyes just glazed over at times or kind of disassociating almost. Yeah, it's all, yes. It's, it makes me think of like the end of Texas Chainsaw Massacre when she's in the truck and her eyes are just bulging and she's kind of out of her mind. It's like that with McKinney Manor, whereas a haunt where you know you're going to be okay, what do you do? You scream and you laugh. Or it's a relief, yeah. It's a total relief. Or you scream and then you laugh afterwards about all the different times you were screaming, right? Yeah. Making the documentary, I learned so much about the psychology of scaring people, about our attraction to horror. I mean, one of my favorite parts of making it was actually, I kept asking people about haunted houses, like the history of them. I love the history section in Haunters because in like 10 minutes, you get why we, we have this crazy attraction to horror. Like, and thinking about the history section now during this pandemic, it just makes me think of the history section so much because it's like, oh, all of the Universal Monster movies, The Invisible Man, Creature from Black Lagoon, Frankenstein, Dracula, they all came out during the Depression. And they were huge hits during the Depression. And you look through time, whenever we've had times of war, recession, depression, people go to horror because you can confront and escape your worst fears. And all the big haunted houses, the big boom of haunted houses happened during the Vietnam War, mm-hmm. which is really a trip to look at. And then just watching as it got bigger and bigger over time and looking at extreme horror, like the whole unintended consequences of torture porn that started with like Hostel and Saw, you know, those movies didn't come out until we saw what happened at Abu Ghraib. That right. the American government, we were torturing people and we had to go do it somewhere in Cuba where we could get a Gitmo where we can get away with torturing people. Right. And so then all of a sudden horror films came out to reflect the horror that we're dealing with in society. And then years later, what happens? We get blackout. We get became manor. We get haunted hoochie. <laughs> we get um, the victim experience. We get all these different, there's so many extreme horror experiences. 
Now, all of them, except for McKamey, of course, all of the other ones have a safe word, but they do crazy things. Mm-hmm. Like victim experience, they did a thing where they had like a professional wrestler in the maze and they would pick you up and throw you. Or wow. there's, there was one where there was a, um, uh, you're crawling around with a shock collar on and you'd be getting zapped all the time. So there's extreme haunts that definitely blur the line, but I don't know. It used to be that we only had one kind of haunted house for Halloween. It was just a haunted mansion or haunted maze. Right. But now there's a live horror attraction for every subgenre of horror. Everything from supernatural to torture porn to everything in between. So whatever your subgenre of horror that you're really into, there is somebody who's dedicating their life to creating a simulation that is going to freak you out. And it's pretty amazing. Know, that is amazing when you think yeah. about it. It really is. And of course, because I was able to get the most extreme, you should never even do this or even go to it, Bikini Manor, mixed in with Blackout and all these other experiences, you actually got to see the, the spectrum of what exists. And you got to see what happens when, when how far is too far. We always ask that question with horror films. How far is too far? But yeah. this time, they took, someone took their love of scary movies too far. It's always like <laughs> a horror movie tagline. But this, that is what happened with my movie. And you actually get to see it and see, you know, when you've crossed a line because of you've created a kind of a cycle of, of violence. Mm-hmm. You know, and I didn't expect to see that in the movie. You know, there's a lot, I don't know, there's a lot of, I learned a lot while making the movie. I really did. And yeah. I'm really, I'm really proud of it too, because I, when I watch it, I get anxious. I get, my anxiety goes to the roof. Um, I laugh, I freak out, and I get very disturbed. And you don't want to spend all your time making a movie that's just going to be something you put on in the background. You cannot multitask yeah. with this movie on. It, you will stop what you're doing and you have to look at it. Not the Christmas fireplace log or anything like that. Totally. <laughs> I mean, look, I, I I'm, can't believe it. We're just, um, we're trending on BuzzFeed again. It's wow. our third time Haunters has trended on BuzzFeed and never, it's never about Halloween. It's always about the most shocking, the most disturbing documentaries of all time. Wow. <laughs> and that's a badge of honor, for sure. It is, especially like we're on a list right now where we're sandwiched in between um, Evil Genius, that documentary about the the person that had a bomb around his neck that was oh that was forced to rob a bank, and The Keepers, which is I'm, horrifically disturbing. We just keep trending on BuzzFeed on like the most shocking and disturbing documentaries ever made, <laughs> which is really a trip to me, man. It really is. And a lot of um, haunts reach out that they actually show our movie before haunt season to their actors and then have a discussion about the right and the wrong way about scaring people. Interesting. Yeah. It's kind of become like the red asphalt for the horror, <laughs> the haunt world. <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of crazy. Obviously, the, the the scare of the haunt industry has changed. Um, have you seen any haunts that are COVID-friendly or, or people offering solutions to that? Yeah, there's a lot of, look, a lot of creativity is happening right now. And I also have to say that there's a lot of things. Everything's an experiment right now. Everything's an experiment. Nobody before this season said, well, I want to make sure I can do a COVID-19 pandemic-friendly, safe and sane haunted house. So right. if you're going to go do one of these experiences, have have that be your mindset. Mm-hmm. Feel happy 
and lucky that somebody figured out a way to pull this off. Whether right. you like it or not, they're experimenting and they're trying something. Look, if this is year five of the pandemic, they should have their shit together by now. But it's year one. <laughs> I Don't guarantee say that. The- Don't put that out there. Hey, look, I, at this point, I'm just, you know. <laughs> I'm, calling, I'm calling this year one. I don't know what's going to happen next, but they're experimenting with drive-through experiences. Now, the first I heard about this was what was going on in Japan. They came up with a haunted garage. You're in your car, and you pull into a garage. The garage closes up. You hear the story about what happened inside this garage, and then all these creatures and ghosts and stuff start emerging out of the junk of the garage to attack the car. If you pay extra, wow. they leave bloody handprints all over your car. If you pay extra? <laughs> yeah. I love that idea. But years before that, I kept seeing haunted car washes that were happening all over America, where people would do have black lights and black light um, soap and dress up as clowns and be, you know, you're going through a car wash while these scare actors are leaping out at you from all over and you end up with a clean car. It's kind of cool. I was waiting for someone to bring back the... A haunted car wash that has just been announced this Thursday in Long Beach. There is a haunted car wash. I have a, a commercial for it's on my Haunters the Movie uh, Instagram. You can see it. It's it looks so much fun. I'm already excited for that one. There's also uh, the Ellie Haunted Hayride came up with their own drive-through version. I want to know, John, where can folks check out your work? So you can check out Haunters: The Art of the Scare on Amazon Prime, Tubi. And on Shutter, streaming on all those right now. And if you buy it, 30 minutes of bonus features on yeah. iTunes extras of the DVD. Tons of the bonus features are so much fun. And yeah, you, you can also check out a VR experience that I did. Flatline experience is completely crazy. You actually go through somebody's near-death experience. This is a true story. And wow. they're telling you what happened to them. So when you're in the virtual reality experience, you're in this hospital bed. And then they start talking about going down a spiraling vortex and you, the, the room starts expanding and then you shoot down this spiraling vortex and you hear these stories. Whoa. It's completely crazy. What's fun is when you're done with it, there's three co- different commentary tracks from three different experts. One of them is a doctor who has all these great theories of the soul because he, he actually saw people die on his operating table and then saw times where someone died flatlined and came back to life. So he was offering up all these insights. And then there's another person who um, had a near-death experience and they were calling bullshit on this near-death experience. Going, this is bullshit. And <laughs> everyone's like, no, no, no. You got to get rid of that one track that says this bullshit. I'm like, no, that's the one I'm keeping. No, because yeah. <laughs> you're going to have an argument with somebody in your head. I love it. If you want to see more stuff, you can go to thebrainfactory.com or you can go check out hauntersmovie.com to see all the different things that's going on and i'm constantly posting what haunts i'm going to what horror attractions are going on on the uh, instagram for um haunters the movie so if you look up haunters the movie on instagram or on facebook i'm always posting stuff up there because there's so much going on right now holy shit kirsten did we do it we did it thank you so much to our guest john schnitzer what a fucking delight Check out our website, mastersoftheobvious.com for new episodes, news, and merch. Our Instagram, at Masters of the Obvious. Facebook, at Masters of the Obvious. And Twitter, at Masters of the O. And if you'd like to be a patron of our show, you can go to contribute 
www.mastersoftheobvious.com. And if you'd like, we'll even mention you on the show. But if you want to remain anonymous, we understand. We don't want to be associated with us either. Please don't forget to leave a glowing review on Apple Podcasts and to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. Thank you for listening. And we love you, like, a lot. Who are these ladies? I don't know. Who gave this from the show? Masters of the Obvious. Ooh. I love Ovaltine, but I like it more evil. Can I get some Pappy Pappaltine?